This lecture is brought to you by Knox Theological Seminary on iTunes U. Knox is a seminary in the tradition of the Reformation that exists to educate men and women to declare and demonstrate the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our prayer is that this teaching will be beneficial in your Christian life and ministry. Now the other thing, of course, with this, the preserving work of the church, of the Holy Spirit in the church, does the Holy Spirit operate directly, intervene directly in the church, or does he do it indirectly? And there's disagreement about this uh, in, in different churches. And basically, um, churches like mine, which have a hierarchy, which have an organization, which have you know ministers and ordination and things like this, believe that most of the time anyway, the Holy Spirit works indirectly. In other words, he calls and chooses and appoints ministers who then administer you know, the word, the sacrament, and everything else in the church. So that what goes on in the church is actually done by people who have been appointed and chosen and ordained for that purpose. The direct intervention is the kind of thing like the Quakers, uh, you know, where people sort of sit around and wait for the spirit to move. Uh, and when the spirit moves, then, you know, people react accordingly. That sort of thing, of course, can only work in a small group. I mean, ha by, the na by its nature. And uh, you have to ask yourself, well, what, where's the control? because, of course, anyone can say anything, um, you know. I'm not here to criticize the Quakers. I mean, the Quakers manage, somehow seem to manage um, and, and get along. But, um, but as a principle, as a system, most of the time that doesn't work, you know. I mean, in this classroom, for example, if we organized our affairs by sitting around saying, well, you know, who would like an exam? Uh, what would you like on the exam? Uh, let's vote. Uh, how should we grade the exam? Uh, you know, uh, do we have to do this at all? Can we do something else? Um, we'd never get anywhere, would we? You know, there has to be some kind of dictatorship. Um, otherwise, it just doesn't work. Um, like families who ask their children where they want to go on holiday, uh, you know. Um, well, it's hopeless, isn't it? Because, because you, you just divide. And sometimes asking people's opinion, the, the problem is they then expect you to, to follow their advice, um, you know, which is fatal. Anyhow, we, we can go on about that. Um, but uh, we have to recognize this and recognize also that if once you appoint officers to run your church, those officers have to be in tune with the Holy Spirit in order to function properly. And of course, we know there's a long tradition uh, of, of failure in this respect. Uh, I mean, uh, you, you know, the list of clergy who have failed uh, is enormous. And every time it happens, uh, the secular press just loves to sort of tell you all the gory details um, because it's one more sign of evidence that, you know, it's all a load of nonsense anyway. Uh, so we have to be very, um, very aware of that. But nevertheless, trust, and, and this is the amazing thing, you see, that the church is still with us. Uh, 
despite having done absolutely everything possible, to destroy itself. Uh, you know, one way or the other. I mean, it's amazing how, uh, you know, how churches do stupid things. Uh, and yet they seem, you know, the, the, the church itself uh, seems to carry on somehow, uh, you know. Uh, again, because the Holy Spirit will not allow uh, his work uh, to be compromised by our failure. Uh, you know, we do fail uh, uh, regularly, but he picks up the pieces and moves on. Then the third uh, thing, uh, the Holy Spirit uh, operates in the church to correct uh, things. You see, the, the correcting work of the Holy Spirit, this is, of course, part of his preservation of the church. Um, because we are sinners, the church will, can never be perfect. No church can be perfect. The church has to be protected from its own folly. And this means being constantly shaken up and reformed. We talk about the Reformation, of course, of the 16th century because it was the great upheaval. But that was by no means the first time that the church had been reformed. I mean, there were many reforms. Uh, through the, the Middle Ages and so on. We just tend to forget about them now. And one of the problems with the, the 16th century Reformation is that it kind of got stuck. So that until, at least until very recently, none of the churches involved, the, not the Catholic Church, not the Anglican Church, not the Lutheran Church, not the Presbyterian Reformed Church, none of them seriously budged from where they were in the 16th century. Instead, of course, canonizing things that were decided back then I mean, whether it was the Council of Trent or whether it's the Westminster Confession or whatever it is, you know, the, the badge of identity that sort of set the, the, the church going at that time, preserving this at all costs, uh, only to discover, you know, 400 or 500 years down the road that the rest of the world had moved on. And that the church, by defending its own reformation back then, was actually preventing itself from reforming now. Um, and this is a very real problem that we have. Uh, you know, you get together, you get sort of a Lutheran or a, uh, an Episcopalian or a Baptist. Baptists can be the worst. Um, sometimes, can be. You know, I'm not saying they always are. But I, I work in a Baptist university, so I know. I'm always wary of people who talk about being free in the spirit, because they're usually the most tradition-bound. Um, you know, they, they, they don't budge um, uh, from, from where they are. Uh, and, uh, you know, change is not something that, that they take kindly to of any kind. Um, and we have to be aware of it, because of course you don't want to change for the sake of change, and that's wrong too. But we have to remember that um, 
re reforming, reshaping, reconstituting, this is something which is part of, our, uh, of staying alive. Um, uh, you know, we have to do this at different times. We cannot, um, you know, canonize a particular time in history or a particular way of doing things and then uh, never change. You know, assume that that's going to be good forever. And uh, it particularly, this one of the, the ways you see this, very strange, I mean, when I went to Africa, uh, I, I sort of went all over uh, Africa at one stage, and you go to these places, very remote, and then you, you see a church, and the church could have come straight out of England or Germany or wherever. You could tell by looking at it where the missionaries who, who built it came from you know, because they just transplanted the, the church from their home place, wherever it was, in the middle of Africa. Why? Because they couldn't imagine anything else, you know. Um, uh, that, that was it. They took it with them uh, and planted their own denominations with all their prejudices and everything else um, among people who had no background, no idea. Uh, about it, um, and totally out of context. You, you know, there was no no reason for it to be like this. But this is what the missionaries did. This is what we do. You see, and I'm not blaming the missionaries. I mean, if they hadn't done that and gone there, you know, there might not be anything. So fine. I mean, they did this, but they were unable to adapt. Uh, you know, to local conditions that didn't really cross their minds, and. Um, I mean, today we're, we're more aware of this, you know, contextualization, indigenization, and so on. Uh, we're more sensitive to this. But, um, but still, uh, you know, we, we, we tend to be innately conservative. There's a good side to that. I'm not against that in principle. But we have to remember um, that part of the work of the Holy Spirit is to keep challenging us um, you know, are we being conservative in the right way? Uh, I often say in my church, you know, the, the preacher could stand up and preach Buddhism and no one would notice. But if you change the, 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 the hymnal or, uh, you know, move the pews or put the flowers in a different place, all hell will break loose because that's different. And people notice that, you know. Buddhism, well, never heard of it. They wouldn't recognize it if you, you know, say, that's fine, say what you like, but just don't touch anything, you know. Just be careful. All right. Last thing, I'm so prejudiced, I know. I, uh, I'm sorry. The last thing, but this is tied to this, the missionary work of the Spirit. Pentecost was the start of a mission. Uh, and again, this is something that we have to remember. We are never at home in this world. We are always on a journey. We are always on a mission. And the church has to do this in each generation. We can never sit back on, and rest on our laurels. Um, if, you, if you look back over 2,000 years... Most of the churches mentioned in the New Testament either no longer exist 
or are very minority places uh, in, uh, in, in hostile countries. You know, Ephesus is just a ruin. Philippi, just a ruin. Um, uh, you know, uh, and so on. I mean, Colossae, a ruin. You know, the, 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 there are no churches there now. I mean, sometimes there are. Corinth is still going. Rome is still going. But, uh, you know, you can't take this for granted. A lot of the, the Christian world, as it was known in the early centuries, uh, is no longer there. Then you had mission work in Europe, uh, you know, in the Middle Ages, the conversion of Europe, the, the development of European Christianity, um, with all its, uh, you know, grandeur and, and, and so on for many centuries. And from there, of course, spreading out around the world. I mean, they spread to, to America, they spread to Africa, to Asia, uh, preaching and teaching and converting people right, left, and center. All right. Now, in our generation, of course, what we're seeing uh, is uh, the decline, if not quite the disappearance, but nevertheless the very serious decline of Christianity in its European homeland. You know, I mean, European Christianity is in a very uh, poor way uh, in, in many respects. American Christianity has survived better so far, but for how much longer, who knows? You know, it, it may collapse here as well before very long. Where Christianity is booming, of course, Africa, Asia, uh, and Latin America. You know, in 1950, uh, the missionaries were thrown out of China. There were one million Christians in China in 1950, roughly, after, you know, a couple of hundred years of, of mission and evangelism. Today, with no missionaries um, from, uh, from outside the country, uh, nobody knows how many Christians there are in China, but it's at least 100 million. It may be uh, anywhere up to 150. I mean, people just don't know. Uh, you know, uh, the church is multiplying exponentially. Uh, it's just all over the place. Korea, yes. China, yes. But Japan, no. Thing is, you know, that if you go to, to Africa, go to Kenya, Tanzania, somewhere like that, I mean, the church is alive. It's vibrant. There are Christians everywhere, uh, you know. I, I found this because I was in Uganda. And you go into government offices, uh, you know, for whatever reason. I mean, I had to go and register with the police that I was living there and so on. And the woman in the office, she had her Bible open at her desk. She was reading her Bible. She said, what are you doing? I said, I'm teaching at a seminary. Oh, you're teaching at a seminary. That's wonderful. Sit down. She said, I've just been reading, uh, you know, Galatians here. So what does this mean? And, you know, I ended up having a sort of Bible study with her in her office um, in, in Uganda. And this wouldn't happen here. I don't think, you know, um, because, well, it just wouldn't. You see what I mean? And, and it's a live thing. It's, 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 it penetrates the whole of society. You can't get away, away from it. Now, what does this mean? You know, long term, is this, is this the future of the church? Is this the future of Christianity? Is this just a bubble which will burst and it will all disappear? We don't know. We can't, we can't see the future. But we know that whatever happens with that, uh, as time goes on, we have to begin our mission here again. You know, we cannot assume 
when we walk out the door here that we are in a Christian country. We are not. I mean, we may be in a country with a lot of churches, we may be in a country with a Christian heritage, we may be in a country where people know enough uh, that, you know, when they say they don't believe in God, it's the Christian God they don't believe in. All right, they may know that. But the notion that, you know, everybody who walks up and down Federal Highway, um, you know, is basically a Christian, um, good or bad, but nevertheless, uh, you know, connected with the church and somehow, uh, you know, interested in these things. I mean, this is false. It's just not true, you know. And this is in a place where preaching the gospel is free. Uh, you, you know, you, you're not restricted. There's been a long tradition of this. Um, uh, you'd almost expect people to have some kind of Christian upbringing in some way or other. Uh, and yet we watch it sort of disappearing in, in front of our eyes. The mission of the church never ceases. You know, if we sit back and, 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 and rest on our laurels, um, you know, the spirit will depart uh, from us will, and, and we will lose uh, what we have. Uh, each generation has to, um, has to start again, you know. And this has always been the case. This isn't new, um, you know, and countries that, uh, you know, claim uh, huge sort of church-going populations very often are the weakest of all. I mean, we've seen this um, in, in places like, like Ireland, for instance. You know, 30 years ago, 90% of the people went to church on Sunday. Today it's something like, I don't know, 20 or 30 percent. Um, I mean, it's vanished, uh, you know, in a short time. Uh, Spain was like that at one time, gone now, you know. Um, uh, parts of Latin America, you see, I mean, uh, on the surface, everybody's supposed to be Catholic or, what, or Christian of some kind or other. What's the reality, you know? It's very hard to say. I'm not trying to be critical of this, but you know, simply to say that um, the truth is 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 not as encouraging as the as the statistics on the service might indicate. And the reality is probably not much different from what you get in Europe. You know, that say in in France or somewhere or Britain. You know, three percent of the population goes to church on Sunday, or something like that. I mean, three percent of the population may be regarded as believers in some way or other. That could be true in Brazil. Say, you know, I don't know. I'm just guessing. Uh, I mean, it could be pretty much the same, even if eighty percent of the people say, that, you know, that they're believers you know, on paper, uh, officially, but what's the, rea you know, what, what's the reality underneath? And as those of us who are in mission and in the church and so on and working this, we mustn't be fooled by these things, you know. Uh, we mustn't think that because the appearance looks one thing, that, the, that this is what, is what is really going on. Um, not necessarily so. You know, uh, and 
be humble enough to realize that the Holy Spirit's mission never ceases. Um, and, and we never win in this, in this one, because each new generation is a new challenge. These courses provide a glimpse into our academic programs. Knox students can take one-week or semester-length courses in person at our South Florida campus or choose to complete a degree entirely online. By bringing together academic excellence, a vibrant community of learning, and flexible scheduling, Knox offers today's students timeless truth through modern convenience. For more information about earning credit toward a master's degree, please visit our website at knoxseminary.edu.